Good morning, and welcome to Let's Have the Conversation. I'm Desiree B. Stevens, and today I am here with Lauren Green, and we will be discussing the Black man versus white Jesus. How are you, Lauren? Lauren? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. Doing well, thank you for having me today. And I'm we will talk about white Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yes, praise him, won't he do it? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. So um, as a forecasting, I have my children here recording with me. So if you hear noise, I've told them to be quiet. I don't think that that's going to work. But um, we're hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, but I did want to get into this topic because there was like this popular meme that was going around. I don't know if people remember it, but it was about Florida Evans and James Evans from a really popular show, like in the seventies, I believe, like from Good Time. And this show was supposed to be like the pinnacle of black life, right? Like struggling, like even the song is like, you know, good times, everything is good. You know, the temporary layoff, good times. So it's like, this idea of, for me, was like this promotion of like struggle love, right? Like we're just supposed to be impoverished and still happy and fair enough. I enjoyed seeing, you know, a, a whole family. There weren't too many stereotypes at that point in time, you know. Um, you think there weren't? Do you think there weren't stereotypes? You, you think there weren't stereotypes? I'm going to say what I'm talking about. Oh, definitely. Okay. That was a bad choice of words. Fair, fair. Call me on my shit. Um, I'm asking. I think what I mean is they, they weren't, they were, the intent was to have a black family, a whole black family. And by stereotypes, what I mean is like, not like black men don't take care of their kids and they always leave single mothers. So that was right. more not yes. stereotypes about black men, maybe I should say, you know, he was this yeah. man, he was hardworking, he was supporting his family, he was loving his family, and yeah. he was there. So specifically, there was no like black man stereotype. Gotcha, know? gotcha. No That's aberrant right. drug use or in and out of jail, like it was <laughs> a popular family. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. The show wasn't trying to portray certain stereotypes of a black family. Got it. Right. My, I got it, my bad. Yeah, so yeah. that that's more. But no, thank you for the clarity because it was still yeah. stereotypical. Like I said, singing like the worst shit could be happening to you and we're just supposed to be smiling, shucking and jiving and moving through it and not be angry about right. poor systemic poverty. But yeah, go off. And um, a child. <laughs> child. I'm having a good time singing a child line. I don't know about that. Yeah, but no. I guess I will because I sure will just pray. Yeah. Lord, help me just, look, it's this, this phrase I like to say called like, um, Lord, hold my mule. It's, like that's what I consider certain. A certain person's we'll just call that person TP. A certain person's movies and stage plays are very Lord, hold my mule. Lord, hold my mule. And everyone has that attitude about it, and it's just uh, it's it it's bothersome at times. It really yeah. is. It really is, especially when you think of how Christianity really was part and parcel of stripping us of our identity after becoming enslaved Africans, right? Like it just mm -hmm. stripped us completely, gave us some new God. And like my idea of it is, is like, if this was really something so wonderful for us, why is it the only book you taught us to read or education you offered to us? So it's like, ugh. <clears throat> with white Jesus is odd for me in that show specifically? I think um, 
Well, one that was in every black church anyway. Most it was white Jesus. <clears throat> I don't think we even started having like real pictures of black Jesus or black Messiah in general until maybe like eighties. <laughs> you know what I'm wow. saying? Eighties. That's the first time I saw some pictures, and that was it was very rare here and there. Like who's promoting that? You right. might walk one random building somewhere and see like some you know, and there's somebody black on it, and you'll see some where they get that from. Right. So I think <clears throat> the idea of a black mistake um, came much later once we started knowing our own history, digging deeper, uh, things of that nature. Right. You know. So, but as far as the show goes, um, I, I don't. I think they put it up there because that was in, was in every black church anyway. The problem right. with that, though, <clears throat> again, it's like. If this white man's supposed to save me, why are these white men beating the shit out of me now? Right. <laughs> and this why would I pray to my oppressor? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why would I pray to my oppressor? That makes me have um I can't think of a phrase now. What's it when you become um loving or understanding of your captors? Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome, yes, yeah, Stockholm syndrome. It's a very Stockholm syndrome syndrome. <laughs> I mean, it really is though, yeah. right? Like especially this depiction, because I want to be clear, like I define myself as a Christian witch and I love me some Jesus, but like, mm -hmm. I like the Jesus of like history, right? Like I don't like what Christians did to Jesus necessarily. I like Middle Eastern Jewish Jesus. I like, you know, water into wine Jesus. Like he's rocking with the, like the people, the outcasts, you know, like he got thugs, like, you know, people are carrying knives to Jesus. I rock with that Jesus. Like, <laughs> Peter cutting off ears and whatnot. Yeah, like, like, no, like, son, about like that life. Facts, you know, he's flipping over tables. He's hanging out with hookers. Like that's my Jesus, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's definitely, okay. You know, Middle Eastern Jew. That's that's mm -hmm. Jesus. That's who Jesus is, right? Christianity killed him, or I don't want to say Christianity. He was killed, and then they were like, "Oops," <laughs> and created Christianity. Mm -hmm. For me, it's literally the first notable um, cultural appropriation that white people took over. Like, we're going to take this guy, we're going to strip him of all of his Middle Easternness, all of mm. his Jewishness, and we're going to make him white and a whole entire new religion and follow this. And it's like, wow. Wow. I mean... Well, it made it easier to, number one, um, I mean, just historically speaking, to control the white Jews that were there, it made it easy to, historically speaking, control... Um, the rest of the white Romans who began to follow the way, as it was called back then. Right. And then we started conquering all these tribes and stuff, the Germanic tribes, yada, yada, yada. Again, they were all white anyway, too. So it made it a whole lot easier to incorporate a savior that looks like them of course. Day, versus, quote unquote, the other savages that they had to conquer. Yeah. So, I mean, it's much easier. I mean, again, now I said this, we're the only culture, and this is the question of why, again, going back to the show, we're, and, we, and what you're saying, we're the only culture that doesn't have a worship of deed that looks like us, for the most part. <clears throat> Every other culture has worship of deity that looks just like them. Right. You know, and from the Norse God, the Asian God, whatever. Yes. yes, that is so true. I didn't even think about that point. But mm -hmm. yes, I, yes. 
reflects yeah, a whole other wow. Like that's literally a wow moment. Let me sit and observe that. Because yes, when you start going through cultures and their practices, whatever those practices mm-hmm. may be, their gods, their deities, they, they do look like them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, and again, that's again part of being enslaved people, so on and so forth. Um that's a huge part of that. So again, I was talking to Ginger about this the other day. I was like, you know, we as black people are the only people in America that don't have our own cultural names. Even Asians born here are still Tom Chang or Tom, whatever his cultural or her cultural past are. They take an American first name, but they still have that cultural belief, cultural relationship. Right. So we're literally named after the people that owned us. Right. I'm born green because the green family owned my people at some point in time. That's just literally why that is. Right. There's nothing other different than that. Uh, yeah, so, it's constant trauma. Like even when right. you think about like vibrations and language, even mm-hmm. saying your own name is like a vibrational, like like something yeah. brings up. Like it's like like green plantation or something. Like oh, exactly. like ooh, de- genetically, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a trauma to say your own name. I, I yeah, yes. Well, because everyone has their own, no matter where, where, what, no matter what generation they are born here or come over they still have their culturally, their own name, their roots. They literally have their roots. So they do. Um, they do. There was a time the where I wanted to take on my mom's last name for that, right? Mm. Because her last name was Healy and that's my grandfather's last name. And her mom's last name was McSherry. And mm. like, literally they've like never left Sligo, Ireland. And mm. I was like, I like that. Like, I like that level of connection. I never did because I really like love having my dad's name um, just because it was an attachment to my dad. But knowing that history of where he had his name from, it, it is problematic. It is like you don't have an identity in a certain sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And going back to the show with that is I think it's important for me or I know it's important for me, you know, um, especially asking a black man, like, what must that feel like? You know, you're sitting there and busting your ass, trying to make your way out of this world that you're forced into, right? Like from the inception of it, black people are not here by choice. We're not here by choice. So the whole, your whole life has just been forced upon you and you're just trying to make the best of it. Exactly. That you can within this forced life. Like it is here now. I think in recent times we are, owning it in a different kind of way and redefining mm-hmm. what it looks like to us. And I love seeing it happen <clears throat> all time. But when mm-hmm. you're going back to there, you're still like one step away out of like civil rights. Like that's still the generation of the civil rights people. So, oh, yeah. you know. That still was a generation of civil rights people. They were living fresh after civil rights. Not a good mm-hmm. job that show started what seventy something, seventy three, four. Okay. That was literally right after eighty five, seventy five. That was right after civil rights. Yeah, you know? it's like right there, right in in the midst of it all. And um, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, she has this husband who's busting his ass. He's showing up in all the ways that we require husbands to show up in a very you know uh, old fashioned kind of way or in a very nuclear you know. sort of way and he came up with so many suggestions right on how to get the hell out of there on like let's move (laughs) he had like so many different ways right and so like it's the dissonance for me it's all of this like 
to Christianity tells you like, let your husband be the head of the household, let him lead you, let him do all of these things. And she's claiming to be like this active, avid Christian. But yeah. when he is leading them or attempting to do so, like, let's move Florida, let's go here, or I got this better opportunity there. She's like, no, 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 let's just pray. And like, it's <laughs> this, like picture of like white Jesus. It's like, you just literally yeah. just went over this black man standing in front of you to pray yeah. to this picture on the wall of someone that doesn't even look like you, that absolutely, like you said, looks just like your oppressor and you're mm -hmm. bypassing your black husband in front of you. Mm -hmm. But the faith to place in this white oppressor on the wall. Mm -hmm. As a black man, what the hell does that feel like? <clears throat> you know, and truth be told, as a child, did we ever even think about that that way? Because we were raised I don't know how you were raised. I was raised in, well, I was raised in the cult. That's a whole nother conversation. We'll do that another time for the show about that one day, maybe. But, Definitely. Um, still a very much, um, it was a white church, basically. And most, I didn't go to a black church. My mother grew up in a black church. My father grew up in a black church. We ended up going to a white church. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, and to see, it's it's very, um, I didn't even think about it. It just seemed natural. That was what Jesus they portrayed to me, too. And we didn't have Jesus in our place. We didn't have like crosses and uh, crucifixion pictures or anything like that, or like, big pictures of Jesus. But it was just assumed and taught that he was white and white was right, and Adam and Eve were white, and everybody right. came from white people. Even though science had clearly proven that differently, <laughs> they were adamant that science was wrong <laughs> and it wasn't proven that everyone came from Africa and was black and yada yada. So um, being indoctrinated into those kind of things already. As a child, I didn't even think anything of it. As an adult man, um, by the time I became an adult, a real adult, I already knew history and, and you know, I'm a Christian. I'm definitely not practicing as far as what Christian beliefs would say um, by any means, but I believe in a savior that was at, at worst, a brown-skinned Arab man and at best a black man from Africa, just as dark as anybody else. Because right. to me, the Middle East is North Africa. It's just North North Africa. What's what the fuck is the Middle East? It's just North North Africa. That, to me. That's true too. Yes, also but whatever. You call it what you want. I don't write history books. The white man did. <laughs> you do what you want. Call what you want. All of that. Right, but so when you realize that it's again the problem. Oh God. So the problem is, I'm, I know I'm a little bit rambling now because I'm thinking about a few things at the same time. But so just talking about as a black man, think about white Jesus. Then you got to go back to the Catholic Church and the fact that they know the truth about all of this, and they're the ones that perpetuate this tomfoolery. I mean, hell, they perpetuate slavery. So if they would come out and tell the truth about these things, I say this shit all the time. They would come out and tell the truth about this stuff, um, about spirituality and religion as a whole the world would change in a great way, but that would cost a lot of money for certain people, including Absolutely. them, and a lot of power that goes with that money um, and that control factor. And so they're never going to risk losing that. So the truth would never come out. Um, like those Dan Brown books were great, but if he had really told the truth, truth about all that stuff, it would have been real messed up with these people. Yeah, I really did enjoy the Dan Brown books for... Mm -hmm a lot of the, a lot of the truth 
right? Like a lot of it is just truth that they, you know, were able to pass on by because it was like, you know, oh, like a sci-fi fictional kind of thing. But a lot of it is truth. And like the worshiping of white Jesus in that way, especially over, and I'm not suggesting one should worship the partner, um, but to usurp your partner's presence, for a, a fictional white Jesus feels very much like the upholding of white supremacy, right? Like, I hear what you're saying, honey, but let's go talk to the boss. And it's like, right. And but, like, but, who am I here in this situation? Like, you know, I mean, and eventually to speak of the actors in this show, because they were fictional characters being paid, eventually they all were like, no, we don't like the direction that this show is going, you know. So right. they killed James Evans off, you know, Florida, like, was like, I'm done with this because this is not what I signed up for. And like, when I watched like a documentary on it, it was um, a white Jewish man that actually wrote and directed so there were there there's some problems there too which is why i'm yep. loving this movement that we are now writing our own stories you know when you mm -hmm. come up with like blackish or mixed dish and these mm -hmm. shows and we're actually saying what our families look like um yeah. you know and the various levels of that and i really enjoy that which happened when i was younger tv was more diverse amongst white families right you had the al bundy's mm -hmm. you had the roseanne you had uh full house so you had this mixture of mm -hmm. you know diversity socioeconomic diversity let's at least right. say when you know in our youth you know but it still only landed on white faces and yep. We only had good times and the Jeffersons, and I love mm -hmm. right? Because like, and then, that's the, well, yeah, who didn't love that? And yeah. then fast forward a bit, and then we had just the Cosby Show, and then whatever random show came on that was like based in South Central LA. It was a little bit of a rougher neighborhood. So yeah. It was only one of those: the Cosby's or these niggas were shooting each other. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. You know what I'm so like it's very interesting to me like these depictions and i'm loving that we're telling our own stories but mm -hmm. like that really sat so poorly with me as an adult because younger when family members were watching good times um it never dawned on me either like yourself i didn't grow up in a black church i grew up irish catholic that's a whole other like your cult that's an entirely mm -hmm. a whole podcast on being Roman Catholic. Um, so yeah. that was its own um, oppression in our own home. It was wild. Being, yeah. being Roman Catholic is very interesting. But now that I watch it as an adult, you know, my husband is a huge fan of like older shows. Like that's his jam. Like he's like, nope, I'm good on these shows. And I'm looking <laughs> at it but I'm like, there's like zero way my husband would ever go for that shit. Like zero. <laughs> like, no way in hell would he like say something that would be for the benefit of our family. And I'm trusting that he obviously has us and, you know, in mind. And I'd be like, nah, we need to pray on that. Let's bring it to this white picture. And he'd be like, excuse me? All right. What does white have to say? I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm, I don't knock anyone's spiritual beliefs, no matter what they are. My beliefs are my beliefs. It's not my place to oppress you with them. If right. my beliefs are so-called right, I can just live this way. 
you'll see how right it is because of the way I live. Absolutely. And that's for everybody, whatever. Just don't push your shit on me either and be cool. That's how I feel. Absolutely. So, um, but, and like I said, once once I really started digging into things in history, when I was like, I had to have been brown, if not black, because the nigga went to fucking Egypt <laughs> and hid out. Put each my out. It wasn't that Roman at the time. And even then, Romans were of all cultures and races. So it, he had to be, yeah. And the rest, he, he hit with the rest of the Egyptians. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, um, so my point is that I'm all for praying about things. That's something you should do together anyway. But at the end of the day, even if you believe in that, the husband is the head of the household, so the man says, this is what we're going to do. What y'all going to do? You fall back on him if it don't work. Right. <laughs> we'll be looking at him like, I guess you screwed your family up, bro. So you better make some better decisions. Right. Which they I mean, like, look I at you for letting your husband make that decision. They're not going to say that to you. Exactly. I think that that's a fine way. Like, I agree with you. Like, if that is how you choose to live your life, if like, you know, um, I personally, we have an egalitarian marriage that so we make decisions equally. Nobody can, nobody has like veto power just based on their position in the family, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. like, but yes, there's a dissonance there when you say I'm a Christian, my husband is the head of household and you usurp his authority because this is what you believe mm. he is the authority in your home to lean on the authority of someone or something this inanimate object that you know this this presence of something that doesn't even look like you that literally <clears throat> was used to oppress you to literally oppress you like literally oppress you like this was this belief was literally mm. created to make slaves of men and mm. doing so continues that right it perpetuates mm -hmm. that so for me it's like what do you think that level of toxic christianity has done to the black family God, i mean uh, you know here's the thing again so if we take it back to when we were forced to become well, first of all, forced, but allowed to become Christian, forced allowed <laughs> to become Christians anyway, <laughs> because one, we didn't want to. Um, two, they didn't want us to be anyways. We were seen as savages and already three-fifths of humans anyway, not even real. So once we were even allowed to become Christian, again, <laughs> air quotes, um, there were only certain parts of the Bible that we were seeing, not parts about the war and people break free from bondage and things of that nature it was only certain parts the slaves obey your masters so on and so forth and if you live a good life and be a good person you will do heaven that was it and it yeah. wasn't even mostly reading it was just memorized passages that the certain negro was allowed to become the preacher of and hear someone else say it memorizing and say it back a lot of them weren't even able to read we know that i mean a lot were as well but most yeah. of them agreed, but not so. openly at least let's say it that right, way of course they were. right and so he was more than likely just memorizing passages and just allowed to say that so yeah it was used as a tool of oppression not even a tool of liberty which if you really believe in jesus jesus is about liberty and freedom and love and you know so on and so forth um there are rules that need to be followed and all that stuff but the overall message is love um and so they weren't allowed to speak any of that. So yeah, it was useful oppression. So to go against your beliefs, which would be your basic, your basic desire to make your family happy, to ask someone else what needs to be done, 
when a brilliant idea is right in front of you. And I can be like, let's look, think on it, pray on it, whatever. We got about two, three days. We need to figure this out. Say right now, I'm still have the same answer in these three days. I want to do this. Right. <laughs> answer ain't going to change. So either going to say yes now or no now or yes now or no later. But if it's going to be yes, it might as well be now. If it's going to be no, it might as well be now. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's how I feel about that as a brother, as far as that goes. Um, and someone who says they do believe in the Bible. Um, and I have my questions and things here and there. Uh, overall, but I also don't believe in a white diet. So right. yeah, I think that's a very clear distinction. Because it's not like I said, you know, like that's why I gave the disclaimer. Like I love me some Jesus. So I just like you know, I, I but I also researched who he was and what he learned. Right, like so, like <laughs> as Christianity that's taught. It's very interesting for me because I, like I said, I grew up Irish Catholic, and so mm-hmm. like it was its own thing, and so we had more books than when I moved to the South, right? There's like seven more books in like the Catholic Mm. uh, Dewey Rains Bible. Um, Mm. And their translation is a little bit more like, cause it's like the Fulgate, so it's translated from Latin. And I grew up when they were still giving it in Latin. And I'm like, I don't speak Latin. How are you guys (laughs) doing this? (laughs) The dead language. So we were like still learning some of it in Latin and, but I recognized when I moved to the South and uh, I went to predominantly black churches, the way the word was delivered, like you had said, like it didn't feel very liberating, right? Like it feels very much like we are taught to like do all the things in the world so we can have riches in another life right? Like up in heaven. When, and the way I interpreted the word when delivered as a youth and like, look back on it is like, no, like right here, right now, this life, I'm supposed to live abundantly. Like not, not another lifetime. I'm not storing it up for heaven. I'm supposed (laughs) to live here. In this moment, in this very moment, I'm supposed to live. So that was something that then as I started placing those, you know, those analytics and those things that I awoken to, because um, everybody's going to have their own different relationship with the word of God, with right. Christianity, with Catholicism. But for me, well, whatever your belief system is, you know, yeah. or non-belief system. Correct. But for me, it felt much more powerful than the when I heard it as an adult here in predominantly black churches. Like I'm inside <coughs> right here, right now in this life. And I find that interesting, like I said, is this idea, it was like, she seems so blocked from believing that it could happen for them right mm-hmm. here and right now, right? Mm-hmm. And James is like, no, we can have this life right here, right now. Like, I got this job. If we, we have goals, if you just listen to me. <laughs> right, if you just listen to what I'm saying, we can have this right now. And she, like, was like, no, like, she'd rather just, like, wait um, until... Wait on the Lord. Look, that's Lord, that's Lord, Lord hold my mule. <laughs> And the Lord took too long, honey. Okay, because if a day in the Lord in the years of like you know whatever you know what I'm saying, like if a day is a thousand years in the Lord, that's gonna take too long. I'm gonna need mine right here, right now. 
And when it's, I mean, look, James ain't never had nothing illegal going on. He was, he ain't had no schemes. He was like, listen, I can have this promotion if we right. move over to this side of town. We won't be able to see with Lona. The kids gonna have to move out of school. Actually, they can stay in school for probably like this last year. Then we gotta change schools. We can even give them enough time to do that. But they gotta change it. And I'll make like $20,000 extra. That's like a bajillion dollars in 1974. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, like we, can get up, we can get up out the project of Cabrini Green. We can rent this house and maybe even buy it soon and live in a better neighborhood. And she's like, but let's see what the Lord says. And I'm pretty sure James was like, I done prayed on it too now. The Lord said, let's do it. <laughs> right. You know? Again, it comes back to like, like the Lord done saying, it's, it's, it's common sense. Take this job off of. And she is like, I don't know, James. Let her think about it and ask why Jesus. <laughs> so. and that's absolutely just insane. And it goes back to like, because I don't want this to seem like a bashing of like, oh, well, Black women destroyed like the Black family by believing no. in Jesus. Because like, that's no. absolutely not it. It's more an indictment on how pervasive the system of white supremacy is. That's it's all. It's literally, that's what this indictment is. It is like, even in as soon as, as close, as near as in the 70s, mid 70s, they were still with this chokehold on us in what our belief systems needed to be. And where we needed to rest our, you know, laurels and where we needed to put our trust in. Was trust, exactly. Yep. And so here's the thing I was saying earlier, because again, it's that's what you just hit the nail on the head. It's the trust and it's the power. If they have to, they as we, if the whole, if you have to trust in white men all the time, they keep all the power. That's number one. Number two, what I was saying earlier, if the Catholic Church would go ahead and just flat out say, because why do we have a shrine to the Black Madonna if there was no Black? <laughs> what? Isn't that wild? Come on now. So they would just go ahead and tell the truth. Either he was a brown Arab man or a dark African man or a brown African man, whatever. If he, was, he wasn't white, okay? If they would just say that, how would racism change? It would have to. It would, crum it would crumble power systems. It would have to immediately. Immediately. Like, it would have to right. shift. It would have to Because you can't pray to someone that you oppress. Right. So you have to, and you say you believe in this. This is even why you're oppressing us. Right. And the rest of people of color in the world as well. And the poor of you that you don't even like because <laughs> they don't meet your standards. Correct. But um, if they would just say that, tell that truth and remove white Jesus and give us the actual truth of it, we wouldn't have these issues. I'm glad science has proven it, but I need the Catholic Church to be like, yes, the science was right. We're going to go ahead and admit it. Even without the science, we'll go ahead and tell you we knew that about 2,000 years ago when we started to put this together, the Council of Nicaea. Yada yada yada, and uh, here we are now. We knew it then, we knew it now, but we need to keep certain people in power, right? And it comes down to accountability, which is like what I always talking about in regards to making shifts happen in, in the world, right? Like you okay. have to take accountability. Is it fucked up that you've lied to us for thousands and thousands of years? Even though, even in the Bible that you preach, it gives a description of him, right? Mm -hmm. Skin of bronze, hair of wool. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Like, give me that picture. Give me that picture, at least. Right. You know, you know, you don't want to say because no, Jesus wasn't like an American black because that didn't exist. So, mm. like, I'm not saying he's African American or you know black colored Negro. I'm not doing any of that. I'm saying, can we at least get a picture 
of what this Bible is. And like, I don't think that people really dig into that Nicene Creed. Like I recall, like I said, I grew up Catholic and it is literally such an indoctrination. Like you have to repeat the Nicene Creed. And it's like literally over and over again in generations, you are saying that we commit to this and there is no other truth than mm. this truth that has been given. And when you start dissecting that, it's like, who was there at the Nicene Creed? Mm. White men, right? Mm. Nobody else. Again, like you said, mm -hmm. power in that. The same power that created America. When it was created, it wasn't created with anybody in mind except cisgendered, heterosexual white men. Mm. White women mm. were property. We were property. Everything mm. else was meant to be conquered and considered property. So it goes, it really is a power thing. And it's insane how pervasive, you know, when we talk about racism, so many people are dismissive of it, but it's those small things. Mm -hmm. See, the place my trust, place your trust in Jesus is yeah. absolutely the definition of, like you said, Stockholm syndrome. So mm -hmm. place my faith in this depiction that you created <laughs> this this white man yep. blonde haired blue eyed basically mm -hmm. the very crux of Aryan mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. let's talk about that you know um, <laughs> and and trust in him trust in the very person who has enslaved my people who yep. has kept us down for so long and mm -hmm. usurp the power and presence mm -hmm. more importantly the presence of the black man before me is mm. literally still a tool of keeping that black man completely and utterly down at the bottom rung and yep. this white man as the most powerful thing and yeah mm. i'm gonna trust him no matter what like some of the words that we sing or think about like trust you no matter what no ma'am like this is an abusive relationship that mm. has been created with Christianity and black people. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put my trust in someone who like, literally you're preaching this word to me and oppressing me simultaneously. And mm -hmm. in that action, you're suppressing my husband, you're suppressing myself, you're suppressing my family. And we are continuously being led astray mm -hmm. by placing our trust in something that doesn't look like us like you said everyone else <clears throat> has something that looks like them it like makes sense and even myself who totally like i said jesus north african brown bronze whatever not white not mm. blonde haired not blue eyed when i see depictions of christ as dark that programming is like that's not right Right? Like, it's like when you see Black mm -hmm. Santa, even like, mm. <laughs> like mm. and it's like, why is it not right? Like, ask yourself that more importantly. Why is this not right when it's literally there in the Bible? Like, mm. if we could just get a depiction of what he looks like in this Bible that you believe in, why does that make you so uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I hate Black Santa. That bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> I hate that shit with a passion. Why do you hate Black Santa? You're going to hell. Look. <laughs> because Santa Claus is some Norse white people shit. Let them have their shit. Like, we should have our shit. And I'm okay. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And look, I'm okay with you taking your black kid to see White Santa. 
yeah. I'm gonna kill white kids going to see whatever black dude we have at some point or black woman we may have at some point. Absolutely. That's our gift giver for whatever season, Kwanzaa, whatever we use, yeah. whatever black season. Um, but I would like that. Now there will be big and commercialized like Christmas is, but it's it's it, it's like my my feeling with like um, everyone was happy when Jamie Foxx redid Annie and did it black. I was not happy with that. I when was happy he, when Jamie Foxx redid the movie Annie, <clears throat> the, the black version of it. Listen, I love Jamie Foxx. I love every one of those actors in that movie. I'm not hating on them for that. They made that money. They did what they had. Do what you gotta do. Um, I wish that we just had black stories that were told that were just as good and noteworthy. I That's agree. Like I agree. There is that. Like we have our own characters and stories, and bringing those to life is mm -hmm. something to me that's more important because mm -hmm. because when you're talking about race and it's not real and it's a construct anyway. Mm -hmm. stories that have and were created in white culture are shit that they made up anyway so we can do the same thing like that we can thing, right? our culture now like right like mm -hmm. this is our time like we're going to define because black was given to us it was not what we are because it ain't real so like now we get to make it real like i don't need to see like a black superman i need you to develop yeah. black characters that already exist right. as superheroes just like do better character development i don't want to hey keep your white superman because you know we have like black whatever the hell you know like you know we have green lantern or what have you i don't mm. i'm not familiar with the <laughs> not my genre but you know what i'm trying to say uh, yeah. like, we have to like to do something we need something that's our own our own right that's just ours that then, you know, because for me, those are still trying to like, almost like keep up with the Joneses. And we don't mm -hmm. need to do that. Like we have our own beautiful culture and our own characters that can be developed or created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is what, again, like, you know, like these shows I'm loving when I see, like before I watch something now, like that's predominantly a black cast, I immediately go to see who's the writer, director and producer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Too. If you are not a black writer, I don't even want to. Um, I'm not watching it. I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm just not. Uh, Underground Railroad recently came out on Amazon Prime. I wanted to see that, so go ahead and tell me if I should not. It is absolutely brilliant. Please watch it, cause okay. So initially, I was like, I am over slave porn. Over right. This shit is made for white people so they could actually see what's going on and start connecting to some pain and struggle mm -hmm. and be like, oh my God, you know, like with uh, Lovecraft Country, that was traumatic as hell and definitely was created for white people to be like, see, this is what actually happened. Is, um, love, is it on, not only similar to um, sci-fi on Lovecraft, but is it written in that type of... It is. So it's like this poetic... <laughs> sci-fi thing and I sat through it and at first I was like I'm not gonna do this but then like when I I looked and I saw the writer was black and I saw like you know the direction he was going with it I was like okay I'm gonna give this a try is it hard to watch yes because it's still very real depictions of the violence okay. which black people had to get out of um okay. but it's really cool mm -hmm. because unlike any of these other stories, like, you know, like, it still centers whiteness, right? Like, look at the good white people of the Underground Railroad. They helped save. And it's like, you know, 
okay, I'm sick of the white savior trope as well. But in this, because of the sci-fi nature of it, the Underground Railroad is actually a railroad. Like, underground. Wait, word? Word. Like, literally. I do need to dig this. Okay, okay. It's, like, so dope and, like, mind-blowing, right? Like, it's literally tunnels underneath the United States. Like, it still takes the route of what the Underground Railroad was, but it's literally Mm -hmm. underground, and it's actually a train, Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. It's conductors that are actually and each station, like it's like a train station, like a Penn station in New York, and it's full of black people. The mm. conductors, the black, they get to tell their testimony, which is like, you know, right? Who's your name? Where'd you come from? What's your story? Mm. And station. Mm. So it's something I really actually enjoyed. And it was not like slave porn or like, oh, mm. look at the good white people. It really centered the black struggle and what that was like it wasn't always easy even when we mm-hmm. got to some place that supposedly you know it showed mm-hmm. other struggles like in other levels of the oppression like yeah okay you created this safe haven quote unquote for black people but then you're also using techniques to you know uh like tubal ligations and making mm-hmm. things sterile you're still doing things to oppress black people and like black families and it's really honestly like Yes, yes. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it slowly because, like I said, there's still some stuff that's like, no matter what, right? Like, you can't tell the story without, like, great pain. Like, you, you don't get to make this a love story. It's not that. But it is definitely... Because <laughs> it's never going to be. It's never going to be. Um, but that's the joy of it, is that it's not a love story. It's not white saviorism. It's not slave porn. It is literally... Um, it almost feels like a documentary, the way he has the characters, um, especially the main mm-hmm. character. And it, it literally, you feel like this person told their story. I definitely, it's like 10 okay. episodes, I definitely recommend it, definitely. So, um, we will yeah, check it out, we will definitely check it out. Yeah, Black TV is changing, and for me, that's important. Because, like I said, just so close, we were still upholding, well, not we as Black people, because again, we weren't writing it, we didn't have that power. But the vision of black people was still still being upheld by white supremacy. Like, of Mm. course, she's not going to listen to her black husband. She got white Jesus to save her. And (laughs) white Jesus got our black asses here. (laughs) Like, it's not going to work out. Literally, one of these things is not like the other. You know what I'm saying? Like, hmm. (laughs) so um, yeah, basically, yes, watch that. Um, and I do want to get through some of these questions as much as I absolutely love chatting up with you. But mm-hmm. um, I wanted to ask, um, what do you think that most people or so, some people, let's just say, would misunderstand about you or this topic? I don't remember what I said before. <laughs> well, basically, you kind of went and like if the Catholic Church would just admit you know, that Christ was... Oh, which I already spoke about. <laughs> do you see that happening? Like, do you ever see oh, like, a no. enough Pope to be like, yeah, let's bust this wide open? Of course. Well, first of all, of course not, because the Vatican as a state, <laughs> with all their wealth and power, um, would never do such a thing again. White supremacy is about wealth and power. It's because again, race is a construct. There is no race. We're all human. You don't see tigers saying, "Oh, one's Bengal, one's Sumatran." And they all tigers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They just look a little different, but they all tigers. Dogs, right. is, you know, 
yeah, humans are humans, but it's a racist construct. It's only a construct when you think about it, the power thing. That's why racism is a power construct, which is why people don't really truly, truly understand racism. You would understand that. That's why you would understand there can't be no reverse racism because black people don't have any power. And so what are you talking about? We're just educating you. But anyway, that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, we can do that one too. Uh, Let me know. There's a little bit of how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, just, I do wish the I don't see the church ever doing it. The Pope would never do that. He could never wear his red bottoms anymore if he did that. Do you know how much wealth? They, they condoned slavery. They would have to give away- They condoned every heinous crime. Right. Yeah. They would have to give away so much money. It wouldn't be no Catholic church no more. They would all be shutting yeah. down. Archdiocese who? <laughs> That's yeah. all that it would absolutely that. collapse the entire system because yeah. it is what has kept, it, it's, it's, it's really upheld the worst, most heinous acts throughout history. Like mm -hmm. you said, based on power. And the ones who look like them have the power right and they feed this falseness even to like poor white people which is why they think they're powerful but i'm like <laughs> money yeah. is that power honey you're not really yeah. so it's absolutely a very wild thing i would love to see if it would happen in our lifetime and if not we just have to keep pushing <laughs> the truth i mean they, they gave us a black president i guess maybe they'll tell the truth one day i'm being facetious yeah. <laughs> Uh, I Man, no. Again, I, know. I don't think that'll ever happen in a lifetime. That's, again, that's just too much money and power to give away. There's no way. I, I don't see it happening ever. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to keep telling the truth and see exactly what happens. Or at least we wake up the people to not believe the lies anymore. They may never have to admit the truth. But if we can keep talking, keep having conversations, and people start waking up to the lies, I mean, because it's yeah. only the lie... The lie only stays alive because we attach ourselves to it, right? Mm -hmm. And the deeper we start looking for our own cultural truths, you know, like even, like I said, within America, white and black, is that, those are constructs. So it's like white people start letting go and seeking their own cultural truths and realize what white supremacy has stripped from them as well. Then you start waking up like, wait, this is not, whoa, wait a minute. Like, you know, there's, no, that's insane. Um, then maybe we break the system. I think that, that I think that's possible. I don't think that the system's going to admit it. I think that the people can break the system, though. It, will, it would take the people. I mean, the people created the system. It would take nothing but the people to dismantle it. Again, though, you're asking people, and this is, again, this is speaking to a biracial woman and a man that is with a white woman, black man is with a white woman, yeah. you know. Um, I say this knowing these things, and but you you have to find so again, half the country voted for Trump, okay? Right. Half the country. Yeah. And of the other half that didn't vote for Trump, a lot of them only didn't vote for him just because they didn't like him anymore, not because they care about black issues or people of color Absolutely. or women or poor people or any marginalized people. And so I want to go I even further country, into that. Um, yeah. It's not even that they didn't like him per se maybe they didn't but they didn't like the microscope that it put on them on them it showed them for who they were right oh you talking too loud man you talking yeah. way too loud i'm bro. just saying yeah. that, that was my big 
That was my big thing. I was like, let's be very clear. What it is is that Trump makes you uncomfortable because you're like, damn, is this how non-white people view us? And the answer is yes. Because yes. <laughs> you vote like that, that shit oppresses me. I definitely think you think that way. Yes. Because you do. You vote for this nigga. You cry we are that. not blue. We are at best purple. <laughs> like yeah. at best. And that's at best. I think it's still a red country. I mean, yeah. whatever. Me too. Anyway, so I, I think that you, you're asking a lot of people that don't already feel that way to attempt to have empathy and see the pain as it is. But they will never feel it and even try to attempt to understand it. It means they have to see their part that they played in it. Right. And that doesn't simply mean, well, well, I didn't have slaves or, you know, I had to work hard too. That's yeah. the most irrelevant bullshit ever. <laughs> and yeah. I wish I would stop saying that shit. That's like, that's irrelevant. Who cares? Yeah, that's like, I think that like what white people need to understand. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with white supremacy or uh, white Right. Brand. Like, it has nothing to do with, like, your life wasn't hard simply because you were black. Like, that's what that comes that's down right. to. I totally understand there were sharecroppers, you know, like my own family immigrated, emigrated from Ireland, moved to the projects in Manhattan, you know, all these kids, you know, and had to get them through school. So like, I understand that poor white people exist. I am poor white people. Um, but <laughs> weren't forced into that poverty or into that their upper mobility was not stopped simply for being black and that's what that's what white supremacy is it's like i don't care what you come from what money you come from in the infamous words of jay-z still nigga right still nigga and that's the problem and certain again and speaking of that song certain people oj did have to learn the hard way a lot of people learned like ooh. Still black though. Yeah, mm. black. I'm not black. I'm OJ. Nah, nah. Still nigga. <laughs> Look, Herbert Kane learned the sad way too. You died of COVID after going to all these Republican events with no mask on. Died of COVID. They gave you barely a day on Fox. No. Barely a day. They, <laughs> they gave know. that man like two segments. <laughs> was it two? <laughs> right. I was like Herbert Kane. You. Blood, sweat, tears, and died for these white people. And they didn't give a fuck about you with their racist asses. They didn't give a shit because we're still disposable. Yeah, they they, they still just like, you know, they pull you out. Like, you know how they pull out like the Candace Owens or whatever. They pull out this one black person that's going to uphold their versions of the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, no, no. Hey, and she's allowed to believe whatever she wants to believe. Hey, sis, if that makes you go to sleep at night, go off. You know, I'm not here to argue with that. But no, that ain't. That's just not the truth. That's yeah, that's not it, man. Yeah, it's just like you know, believe what you want, but that's just not what the truth of it is. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And you know what? That kind of leads me into another thing. Is like, what would you say are the resources that guided you to your level of awareness to the truth? Like you said, growing up in the church, being indoctrinated in all of the things that white supremacy offers us, what mm-hmm. helped you gain a perspective? Like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, what are your resources? Mm, truthfully, just books, just reading. Um, I assume it's probably close to what I said before if we ever talked about it. Um, I really just had to educate myself. I had to read, I had to just get out in the world, live life itself, see, 
see it from a different perspective. Because look, for a long time, I'll admit, I was one of these brainwashing Negroes for a minute. Um, I was very much, not that I didn't know I was black, not that I didn't grow up on Little Boy King and all that stuff. I didn't learn nothing about Malcolm X until probably I was like 12, 13. I had to know a few older kids to start talking about that. And then I was like, Ooh. Malcolm X, because you know, Malcolm X is hardly ever talked about in black history. I love him. Even amongst certain Negroes, okay? Love- the black church don't want to talk about Malcolm X. He's too violent. He, I'm like, wait, he didn't kill nobody. <laughs> they killed him. Right. He never murdered any person. No, okay? no one. So he wasn't violent yeah. at all. It's always the palatable Negro, right? Like the liberation of the people. And that's completely different than, you know, and it's not to knock MLK. It's just, I know like if I were there and I had to choose who I would have followed, because I'm here for the liberation of us all. Like we all need to get free. Um, MLK was like palatable and like, I'm not a nonviolent person. There's zero way you're going to spit in my face and I'm not going to attempt to knock your teeth out. Like at least, you know. um, Yeah, I just like there's, I just don't even see it. There's not enough God in me, maybe. I, there's just not enough anything in me that would cease <laughs> like, right. that feeling inside of me. Um, but MLK, at least, let me let me say this way. MLK, was, the way they teach him, was the safe Negro, right? Yeah. He was mm-hmm. safe. And as he began, began to become unsafe, like talking about like poor people's movement, like, wait a minute. Wait you a getting minute. white folks really riled up. They believing in this shit now. Yeah, like <laughs> white people are like, yo, you right. Like, this is a problem. Like, we poor. Negro has a point. <laughs> they killed his ass. You know what I mean? right. Same thing with Malcolm X. He was an okay tool when he was hating white folks, right? right. But like, as soon as he started saying, wait, like I went and I prayed with white people and we think the same. Right. They want to see the liberation of us too. Ooh, we got to kill him, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like uh, Black Panthers and they were like concerned about the poverty within inner cities, no matter who that was. And, you know, when yeah. you have people like the Stokely Carmichael's who were like, you know, hey, uh, come on, riling people up. Like, Mm-mm, come on, Puerto Ricans. He, mm. he was even down with the white boys. Like, um, yeah, okay, but look, at this is what they're doing. They killed him, young, 20 something, because when the people actually band together and start dismantling this system and recognize the truth, that's mm-hmm. when we become a threat to the power structure that upholds mm-hmm. all of this oppression that we all face at different levels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, it's just absolutely insane. So yes, because um, like yourself, I wasn't always abreast to the situations in Black culture. I'm like, what? That's not true. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I had to grow up and live certain things. One, and not that my, I'm not going to say my family was, uh, like, my family's educated. We're educated people. Um, my family comes from the country, both sides. But all of, most of them have gotten education and, you know, made some of themselves, so on and so forth. That being said, they still good Southern Negroes of the church and, mostly pacifists and you know still vote blue but um pacifists to most an extent um right. we'll fight if necessary and some of them niggas just wild but <laughs> it is what it is it's me i'm the basic right you know basic southern black family right um, and so not that they kept malcolm x from me but what i was taught in school for black history month they were good with and we right. would watch Little Boy King on TV. 
who watch whatever the network would allow to be told. Course, because, like, when you say my people are educated <laughs> people, we have to remember who's doing the educating. Who's it right? Exactly. There's that part well, too. You know, like liberation really comes from unlearning, right? Like that's mm -hmm. the, for me, that's what it is. It was about unlearning the things that I learned. I would have said a few years ago that I was educated too, but who was I educated under? You know, what was my tutelage? Who was teaching it? So it's like the true power for me in liberation um, and creating like true energetic shifts and wanting a system to change is unlearning what you've learned because it was taught to us to oppress. Mm -hmm. Like literally just that simple. And, you know, the fact of like some uh, Southern Black families still being pacifists. I mean, well, it makes sense. They lived in terror. So it's mm -hmm. like, if you just kind of keep your head down, just pray, don't worry about it, baby. In the mm -hmm. next life, you know, I want my shit right here in this one. Okay. Right. Uh, I don't want to live in terror right now. I want to live free. I want Look, I feel, here. I feel ginger all the time. I was like, just trying to, and we talked a lot about this all the time because this life I'm in an interracial relationship you have to talk about race relationships absolutely um and I was like you know I as a black man want to wake up and be treated like the average white man I don't just the average up. one just the not average even like an man. exceptional white guy not just an like exceptional white man not a tall attractive white man just a regular white nigga okay <laughs> just like the most mundane average Joe just Joe Blow white guy just, just, I want to be treated like him, and I'd be happy because yeah. I wouldn't fear. I wouldn't wake up. Work. I got most black men, or black people. You know, we don't wake up in fear every day, but we think about things like, what I got to do today. Like, you just, it's just, it's just ingrained in you to do certain things, to carry yourself a certain way, and it's done so much that you don't even think about it being oppression anymore. You just do it. It's I'm, normal. It's survival. It's, yeah, it's just normal survival. Normal. It's normal. Literally, That's my husband. No, I'm sorry. That, that you saying normal really hit the nail on the head. It's just so normal that you're oppressed, and you don't right. even think about it no more. Because no. I, I don't think about. It. I'm gonna die every day, but I think about. It. Damn, let me make sure I don't do this so I don't die. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So the cops don't pull me over. So somebody don't report a black guy walking in the neighborhood. Let me make sure I wear this outfit today right. in case. Like so, so much is. So much of it has unfortunately become normal. This is it. Like my husband gets in the car and he literally puts his wallet on the dashboard. This is fucking wild to me. Like, I'm like, what, you know? Um, and I like my husband's stature, like it's very interesting to me. You know, he has tattoos. He's a 28 slim, like the way he dresses, he wears like Converse and like uh, cargo shorts and a t-shirt. And Literally, the only thing that makes him look like a threat is his complexion, because mm. if you made him white, he would look like a skater boy. Yep. You know, he would look I like just, he's very dressed very West Coast. <laughs> he just and he does. He does dress very West Coast, and like he would look very skater guy. You know, like oh, look at this tattooed skater boy. You know, exactly. with his beard and like. He would just be a skater boy, honestly. Like the body, the build, that stereotypical view of what a skater boy looks like. My husband looks like if he were white. And would be deemed and as that's insane. Right. Like if and that's literally disgusting that that's the truth. And how mm -hmm. normalized being unsafe in your own home has become that when we act out when we speak out people are like what are you doing and it's like because we're exhausted like i don't want to have to be concerned about like you said walking around in my own neighborhood and be reported while being black like 
Right. I, I can't even wear a hoodie. I can't go, I can't jog as a black man, right? You gotta like, okay. like, like I, I can't, can't work out in the wintertime outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the most insane thing on how we still live so deeply underneath the white gaze. Like, mm everything that we have to do and that is a great act of liberation when we say i don't give a shit but people need to understand that not giving a shit means like literally you're ready to die like that's what that means i've been trying to tell people that for the longest time like everybody talks real tough and stuff and whatever whatever i tell people i'm nobody's tough guy but i'm not trying to go to nobody's prison i'm not trying to go get arrested i'm trying to die out here with no feds no no street people no nobody Right. If you, so black people, always, I, when I put post BLM, I'm never posting Black Lives Matters. I'm posting Black Liberation Movement. That's mm -hmm. why I do that. Right. Because you don't have the mindset that you could die any day and be willing to do the same without saying things on air. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to understand, like, that's where we at. That's, that's where we have always been. We've always been there. It's all, and it hasn't and, changed. Like, I think about, you know, my son, he's five years old and he's adorable. And mm. like, as you mentioned, and I have too, and anybody that listens knows I am uh, biracial. So uh, Kieran is an ambiguous looking boy, right? Mm. So he's palatable. He's like cool <laughs> complexion. He has blonde locks. So he's adorable right now. But mm. I look at him and he's he has a big you know he's a little bit stocky you know he's tough he likes to box everything he's like a mm. fucking warrior everywhere he goes he's mm. like kicking and punching and doing all this <laughs> i'm like it's like Being a boy. testosterone here guys that's what i'm talking about and it's like but i'm concerned when will he look like a threat when if he's like you know he stops and drops and does push-ups right now he likes to run up the block and when will he become a threat when mm. will like he's running through the streets in the park now and it's adorable and he's pew, 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 pew. Mm. but when does when is he too tall when does he when is he not so cute and like i recognize that the most revolutionary thing i could do raising free black children is be prepared to bury them and that's a sobering fucking thought daily mm. 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 like I literally want to cry, but that is like literally the truth in America. Like when people have asked me, I have these conversations, as you know, on Facebook. And when we talk about people like, um, you know, just, I can't even think about all the black names just in the last year. Um, but like, when you think about any of them, just any of them you know you have a somebody like philando castile and i'm going to bring that one up because literally we were on a trip to florida when that happened and mm -hmm. i was nursing karen at the time and like now i'm the driver right like so i'm driving this eight hours i have my husband's the passenger because i'm i i feel at least i'm less likely if they pull me over to be met with aggression right, right. um and like, so we have to stop for nursing breaks. I'm exhausted, but this is like the odd protection that I have to do, like just to feel safe. And then like, what does that do to my husband? Who's like, mm -hmm. sitting I'm supposed there. to protect you and I'm right. 
Yeah, like, what does that do to the psyche of him? Like, uh, as a black man in America, like, and kind of getting all the way back to that topic of like consistently how white supremacy has forced black women at the heads of their households for better, you know, for lack of better language and antiquated language of, you know, Mm. Christianity, but forced us to be protectors of our home, protectors of our children, protectors of our mates in a lot of different ways. Um, what does that do to them? Where does that leave them? You know, and it's like, yeah, but baby, I'm not ready to like have you die on our fucking vacation going to Florida. Like, so like, it's like, let me drive. Like, it's just that simple. Um, and so that led me to a conversation on Facebook in regard to my son, you know, and like these young black men that come out of cars, hands up, knees down. And I'm like, I won't have that talk with him. I am prepared that this is America. Mm -hmm. Most likely my son is eventually going to be a threat and he better die on his fucking feet. Yep. And that's, and, and we'll, leave, that's, we'll leave it at that. We, yeah. I know what you mean. We'll leave yeah. it at that and exactly what you mean. And it's, uh, that's what it is. Some people like ask like what it's like to be black in America. That's my experience of being mm -hmm. black in America is to live absolutely free and liberated and not uphold white supremacy means you're willing to die. Mm -hmm. And that's an extreme fucking state to live in day to day. Day to day. Generationally. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's never changed. Because you either live in fear or in freedom. Yeah. And both of them will kill you. Which one do you want to die in? Exactly. And that's, God, that is so goddamn sad. I'm so depressed now. Thanks. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. It's the truth, though. But it is so true. I, I, my, my point is I'll take the freedom over the fear. I, Me I, too. Yeah, I'll take the freedom over the fear. And Me it's hard too. getting to that point. And no one, I don't think any of us are actually 100% there. I know I'm not. I can, you know, I can say I can speak for myself. I know I'm not 100% there. Um, because you have to work on so many things to get there. Financial freedom, it's physical freedom, it's, you know, yeah. you know what I mean, the physical freedom. It's it's things to take care of yourself. They're tools that you need to have, you know, some store and so forth. And there's a lot of things that need to go down. But once you start doing those things, you realize that that's what they've always been doing. So just do the same thing. You're equally as free. Absolutely. It, I mean, like, it's really, it's that, like, you know, like when I asked, you know, what the shift mean to you and you said the opposite direction, just that, like, get mm. back into, like, releasing American individualism, American exceptionalism, getting back into community, and it doesn't have to be an all black community. That's not something that vibes with me, but I totally see the spaces and why it's needed for that. Mm -hmm. But getting back into community and connection with people. Mm -hmm. for me is shift is moving in that opposite direction not leaning so much on you know the american quote unquote way of life and leaning on this government mm -hmm. to save us we can only save ourselves very much true 100 you know one of my favorite movies of uh, all time is viva vendetta oh yeah have you seen that i have okay it's one of my favorite movies um and it's because of literally almost everything that it stands for and how it's played out, so on and so forth. A few things I can do now, but most of it I stand 100% for. Um, but it's just a phenomenal movie and it speaks to how oppressed people really should feel. Um, because it's not about assimilation so much and it's not about segregation either. It's just about freedom. I think it's the best way I can say it. And freedom means understanding that you can't 
take my life. You know what I mean? I'm just not sitting out here just to be someone that you can oppress. My life means right. more than that. I'm a free person just like you're a free person. Like, I deserve to go home to my family just like this person deserves to go home. Correct. And, and that's what it is. It's seeing the humanity in each of us that like mm -hmm. we each deserve freedom and full autonomy. Like, mm -hmm. don't tread on me. I won't tread on you. We can all move along in this life free as hell. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, absolute freedom in a very real way, releasing these constructs. Um, I also uh, want to ask you, as we're like going to start wrapping it up, because I know mm -hmm. you have things to do. Apparently, I'm supposed to parent and take my children to the <laughs> So... <laughs> Let me see what I wanted to kind of come up. How do you make shifts happen in your own life? Uh, hmm. Be honest with oneself, accept responsibility, and do your best to grow from there. That's what I'm going to say now. I like that. I'm here for that one. I'm I could elaborate on that, depending on the time we have. We can do that later next talk. Later. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely down for more talks. I really do enjoy that. But I did want to ask, if you could step into my shoes as a final question, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't in regard to this topic or everywhere that we talk, of all the things we talked about? Hmm. That's a great question. I just don't know what I would have asked myself. Because the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> anytime I'm talking, especially in a um, a situation like this, I'm always doing my best to be open and honest with being as safe as possible for all parties involved. Right. So once I know that it's a freedom of, uh, I know it's a freedom of expression, you're a pretty free person. Um, I would have asked myself, I, I would ask, do I feel safe in this environment you've created? That's what I would have asked me if I were you. Okay, well, then answer that. <laughs> um, well, and that's what I was alluding to. I, I do feel safe in this environment, and I don't mind being recorded or you can post it wherever. Um, <clears throat> I um, I stand by everything I say, though. So it doesn't matter. Whatever. I just make sure I do my best to say things and incriminate me with my career and things of that nature Absolutely. But, which is also uh, why i'm not using like your picture or any of that for promotions because i recognize mm -hmm. like i work for myself so like mm -hmm. there's like we have to be realistic about the system of capitalism here people you know i don't berate people who don't speak out in the ways that i do because like i'm also like you said like there's certain steps that you have to get to uh, to get to to attain a certain level of freedom right like mm. so because i'm not beholden to somebody else in certain aspects i'm gonna say what i gotta say i'm gonna say it with my chest and that's not to say that <laughs> less it's just to say like yo i get it because there was probably a point in time where you know um i wasn't self-sufficient in the way that i am now and mm. it's like you have to be mindful of those things. So I appreciate oh. feeling safe. No, no, yeah, I feel safe. Don't get it twisted. I, I speak what almost. Oh, yeah, you do. I just, and everyone knows I'm a proud, you know, two way supporter and things of that nature. And my stance, you see my Facebook page, my stance. Oh, yeah. also, um, 
and I've said it on, I've said these things on other platforms as well, but I don't know what your stances are with this. So I don't know if I can say certain things that can I fully absolutely so my safety, your safety, it's both parties before I because we didn't talk about we didn't declare what was you know, can't use these words to say this. Yeah, no, I don't have any, I don't put, um, I don't put filters on anything. Even when I like do like the podcast or whatever, like I, I it's adult content. I'm a curse. I'm gonna say what I have to say. Um, right. I'm not seeking to have conversations with people that only agree with me. To the contrary, I like to have vast conversations because I don't believe, you know, as you know, you're in my, you're in my social matters group. And like, I don't put trigger warnings. I don't put content warnings unless somebody asks and like, that's just like tough for them. Um, then I will be cognizant of that and do so because it takes really nothing to add that, but I won't do it prior. Um, again, freedom is about saying what the hell you want to say and how you want to say it. And I don't think that conversations are necessarily meant to change people's minds. For me, conversations are simply, to have conversations, to understand other views, to have a different kind mm -hmm. of connection. So like like how you mentioned 2A, yeah, I fully, absolutely support it. And as far as black people, I think every single black person in America should be armed. And not only armed, they should be legally armed to the point that there's an everyday carry on their hip every day. And I mm -hmm. fully think that that would shift the way that we are approached in situations mm -hmm. in many ways because the lack of as fucking terrible as the lack of fear is awesome. Mm -hmm. It's bullying, right? Like the bully yep. bullies you because they know that you're not gonna do anything. Um, so yes, but then again, that goes right back at circles back to like, are you willing to die? Mm -hmm. And most people just wanna fucking get home. Like mm -hmm. I just want mm -hmm. to go home and watch TV. Like I don't want every single interaction in my life to be life threatening. So mm -hmm. there's so many layers. So many. There's layers so many. I 100 agree with everything you just said. That's that's not true. Everybody should have an everyday carry. Um, if if the people that are oppressing you have one, why the fuck don't you have one? Okay. Yeah. Because I plan on going home too. Why the fuck I gotta go be put in handcuffs? Why I gotta go over a red light or something right. stupid like that? Nigga, yeah. stop. I deserve to go home too. Yeah, I just want to get makes home. your life more important than mine? That's what I'm saying. What makes your life more important than mine? And when you can tell me that legally, just yeah. logically, not legally, logically tell me what makes your life more important than mine, then we can discuss this. But other than that, but you're never going to find a logical way to tell me that because it's not. There's no way <laughs> to do exactly. make your life more important than mine. I just, Nothing. I'm not advocating for like people doing something stupid, but uh, I'm trying to get home too, player. Make this yeah. quick. Look, give me this ticket so I can go home. I don't have time for this drama. See, that's my attitude. And I'm like, look, hey, man, hey, like, this is like, this is ridiculous. You guys shouldn't even have this much power, but that's a whole other conversation. Right. So, like, uh, we're going to start wrapping this up. And I just, like, really absolutely love talking to you. I love being in community with you. Thank you for your time, the conversation. Um, all good. All good. It was really awesome. And, like, you're, like, you're just so cool. And I really appreciate your. I'm all right, <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>